Our Old Testament lesson comes from Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our gospel proclamation is the Old Testament prophecy of Jeremiah that I just finished reading for you. And serves as the basis of our theme for the first Sunday of the church year. Perfect word, perfect time, perfect salvation. Happy New Year. If I'm not the first to tell you that today, you know what I mean. If I am the first to tell you that today, let me explain what I mean. You can already see it visually. The pyramids on the altar and the stoles and the chasuble on my robes are obviously blue. And for some of you, that means Christmas. Now, anyone listening to 1077 is keenly aware of the non-stop Christmas theme songs that started even before Thanksgiving. But the truth is, it is not Christmas at all right now. Far from it. It is Advent, the beginning of the church year. Hence, Happy New Year, and the season when we anticipate the arrival of God the Son who came to save us from sin. So while many of us think, O come, O come, Emmanuel, is a Christmas song for Christmas time, it is actually an Advent hymn, perfect for this time of the new year, if you read the lyrics carefully when you sing. This is also a special time of the year for us to reflect on why we need salvation from sin and why Jesus had to come, be born in the flesh, and suffer and die because of our sin. Not as Christmassy as we'd like it to be, is it? But that's okay. And I believe you will understand why sleigh bells ringing aren't nearly as important as the symbols of salvation that God gave us anticipating the arrival of God the Son in the flesh in the season of Christmas. That's our devotional theme for our Advent preparation of our celebration of Christ's birth in the flesh. The Symbols of Salvation. Devotion books for our daily devotions are available. And worship at 8.30 and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays will show you these incredible themes to help us prepare, reflect, and celebrate the peace which surpasses all understanding coming in the person and the work of the infant Jesus born to die for our sins. Jeremiah the prophet over 500 years before Christ's arrival in the stable in Bethlehem, was told by God to tell God's people that the word would come at the perfect time to bring eternal and irrevocable salvation from sin. Jeremiah makes it clear, and the language he uses points undeniably to the person and work of that humble carpenter's son who would be executed 
at the priest's request by their Roman overlords. Can you even imagine the pastors of the people sacrificed their savior of the world to protect their position of authority over the people rather than do what was best for the people? Ironically, we give thanks to God for Jeremiah prophesied that this is exactly what had to happen to save the people from their sin. Just as he said in verse 14, I will raise up the good word. Now, I know if you're reading carefully right now, you will see that it was translated, I will fulfill the promise, which is the accurate second step way to say that, but it misses the wooden language that points to Christ as the word become flesh, the only good word this world has ever known, and raised, the promise fulfilled, by being lifted up and crucified on the cross. God promised that satisfaction for sins would be made through the prophet Jeremiah, and in Jesus, that promise was fulfilled perfectly. Jeremiah also tells us that it came at the perfect time. Indeed, this time could not have been more perfect. The entire known Western world was perfectly connected with the entire Eastern world. So when Jesus rose from the dead, this message could be traveled on the roads all the way through India and China and west all the way to England and Ireland. Eventually, it would cascade south throughout Africa, where the strongest remnants of the earliest Christian churches are even more abundant and growing than even Christian churches in America today. Truly, God laid out the very pagan empires of the world to prepare for the emperor of the universe's arrival to save the world from the very anti-God empires that thought they could make humankind worship them instead of the one true God in Christ. For no godless government can save God's people. Only God can. No empire of illusion can justify man. Only the one just God can declare me just as if I had no sin. And no puppet pawn of the people could pretend to be the righteous power. Only Jesus, the Prince of Peace, could make unrighteous ones righteous in the sight of God. And what started in Bethlehem, recognized by the world religions and the political leaders of the day to be the birthplace of the Christ, the King of the universe, anointed to save the world, would be completed in Jerusalem. That cosmopolitan world where Latins, Greeks, Asians, all together would witness the gate to life eternal coming through the gate of death. Death executed on the cross, which would become the ultimate symbol of hope for the world, a tool of capital punishment, now a golden testimony adorning the necks of millions who know this to be their moment of eternal salvation. Ambrose, an early church father in the 4th century, said, He who looks upon the Son sees in portrait the Father. Mark what manner of portrait is spoken of. It is truth, righteousness, the power of God, not speechless, for it is the Word, not insensible, for it is wisdom, not vain and foolish, for it is power, 
not soulless, for it is life, not dead, for it is the resurrection. And Ambrose, as the Bishop of Milan, was one of the most influential spiritual leaders of the 4th century, at times even more powerful than the Emperor of the Roman Empire. But he did not become as such in and of himself. Rather, he became as such under the influence of the prophecy from Jeremiah, fulfilled in our Christmas Christ, and finding its ultimate conclusion in the very Nicene Creed, we still confess as eternal truth to this day. The very truth of Christ cannot be contained by enemies to its proclamation. The world, motivated by Satan himself, has tried to stop it over and over again. Starting with the slaughter of babies in Bethlehem to Christians martyred for the faith to this day. Every Christian sacrifice points to the sacrifice of Christ that saved the world from sin. Judah was saved by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross for the Judeans who crucified him that day. Jerusalem lifted up as the holy city that will come down from heaven when it is time for our Savior to come and take us home. Eternal truth, which we will all proclaim at the throne of grace, that our God is righteous and there is no other that can save us from sin. So no longer do we use our truth as advantage and jumping board for what we can do without Christ. We remember the word who came in the flesh at the perfect time for the salvation of the world. And Christmas becomes the advent of our God who will come again and take us to be with him. Don't tell the world what they can do and can have in Christ. Tell them what Christ did and because of him what they already have with him. His word at the perfect time for them and their eternal salvation at the last. Amen. Now may that peace which surpasses all understanding guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus always. Amen.